What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope everyone had a great holiday season, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, or a Festivus, if you will. Um, welcome back into the Jack Vita Show, first episode of 2022. We're here on January 3rd. It's a Monday following the college football playoff. We only have a couple bowl games left this bowl season. We're going to talk plenty of bowls with uh, the guy who's very familiar to the show, had a huge year for us in 2021, uh, making 22 appearances on the Jack Vita show. It's Andrew Stem. I'll bring him in in a second. If you guys like today's show, make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts and log on to my website, jackvita.com. Well, now here he is, Andrew Stem, Mr. 22. Welcome back. Well, thanks, Jack. I I feel like I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. I guess right. We should drop a little T Swift for our good friend Aaron Levitt. Uh, you know, Happy New Year to you, and know you had a nice holiday season. Hope everybody out there listening uh, was able to enjoy the holidays, whichever one you celebrate, and hopefully got to spend some time with family and all that good stuff. And uh, now we're on to to 2022. We're on to 2022. The uh, here in Chicago, everything's covered in snow, which I actually like. I mean, my my general mentality is if it's going to be cold, we'll take some snow. And one other thing I I really noticed is it is a lot brighter outside. You know, I've talked a little bit about seasonal depression and how I feel happier when there's more light. There's a lot more light when you got the snow out there reflecting the sun's light. Uh, it's, it's magnified a little more. It's nice. That is certainly true. And it helps, especially at night. I feel like it makes things lighter. Um, you know, I'll go out in the yard with the dogs and when, uh, we don't have a ton of light in the backyard. So when I let them out late, like I got to really keep an eye on them. They're much easier to find when it's, you know, the, the, even the moonlight's reflecting off the snow and, and brightens everything up. So definitely brighter daylight or nighttime either way when there's a, a coat of snow on the ground. No, I didn't get to see any NFL games yesterday. I mean, I saw a little bit of that game at Lambeau, but there wasn't much to watch there. Uh, I was up at, I was down at Valpo watching our Beacons. I still want to call them the Crusaders. I, I probably still will call them the Crusaders from time to time, but I watched Valpo get a nice win over Illinois State yesterday, driving through the snow. Uh, nice win, especially after we ended up beating Illinois State by more points than Wisconsin did just a few nights ago. And as a reminder, good teams win, great teams cover. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. Now, we did need overtime for the cover. It's all right. That's all right. They don't, they don't give style points for that. But, uh, yeah, you know, they had a couple of guys out. Um, and, yeah, a really good team win. They've, you know, since Kobe King has become eligible and they've, you know, with, when you bring in so many transfers, I feel like there's even, you know, the work you do in the summer and whatever else, guys need time to gel on the court and figure it all out. And you know, it was a little rough in the non-con, especially those first few games. But, uh, you know, once Kobe King became eligible and they're really starting to figure it out. And, uh, you know, Valley's going to be a tough league, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they were able to make a little bit of noise. I mean, they hung well with Drake, you know, the prohibitive league favorite a month ago in, in Des Moines and, uh, you know, a chance for them to, to make some noise in the Valley this year. So I met Kobe King yesterday. I hadn't met him before. And uh, 
one of my friends, Eric Underwood, give a little shout out to uh, Eric. He is a huge Badgers fan. He likes to refer to Valpo as Wisconsin East now. So I told Kobe, I told Joe Hedstrom that one. And Joe was like, ah, come on. And then Kobe was like, it's true, though. That's pretty good. He, he really liked that one. He got a good I like that. I, I, I may start using that. I, you have to tell you make sure you mention that to Paul. I'm sure he'll love it. <laughs> I did see Paul yesterday. Paul gave me a little bit of a rundown on some of the NFL action as he was tracking some of that while he was covering the game. Uh, so I missed I missed all the NFL. I don't know if there was any games in the snow, but I think it would be great to introduce a new bowl game, Andrew. Let's call it the Snow Bowl, and let's just put it up in Alaska because games in the snow are so fun. Or maybe maybe you expand to Canada, go to into another country, <laughs> and just have a game in the snow. I think that'd be so fun. Uh, only as long as you promise to make it like be an SEC team and a <laughs> Pac-12 team. Like So you get UCLA and Texas A&M playing in the snow or something like that. I mean, as entertaining as Snow Bowls are in general, um, you know, that Michigan State-Penn State game that closed out the regular season uh, was thoroughly entertaining. It's infinitely more fun when you get teams that aren't used to playing in snow. Um, or, you know, we can grab a couple of dome teams. Like, I think Tulane plays at the um, the Superdome or something like that, or they play some of those games there. And uh, just get teams who aren't used to playing out in the elements and, and get them out there. I think that would be thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, if, you, if you're a... Fr- like a fringe bowl team. You just barely got in. You won six games and you finished fourth or fifth in the American or 10th in the sec. That's your reward. Go play in the snow bowl in Canada or put in Buffalo or something. You probably won't remember this because it's a while ago, but other listeners might, um, the 1999 independence bowl, uh, as I was, Four years old. No, As, five okay. years old. Five okay. years yeah, old. That's, that's what I figured. As we were concerned about uh, you know, Y2K and whether the lights were going to go out <laughs> and, and all that stuff, the Independence Bowl carried us over into New Year's in 2000. Uh, Texas A&M played, I can't even remember who it was, uh, but in beautiful Shreveport, and they got snow, and it was so wonderfully glorious. <laughs> um, I mean, partially because like you don't really anticipate, you don't think, I don't, I don't think anyway about Shreveport, Louisiana getting snow at all. <laughs> so there was as much a surprise as anything else, but like there was a bowl game that rolled right up to midnight and they were playing in the snow. It was fantastic. If uh, you get a chance, check out the highlights on YouTube. It is, it is well worth watching. Probably so. the whole game's probably on YouTube and I'll just give it a watch in a couple weeks here when I'm missing college football. Like, there you go. One, Sounds like one of the good things about my doing this stuff, creating content is you have a lot of time during the day where you're working on stuff and you can put something on in the background and so like the other day I put on USC Notre Dame from 2005 and just watched like the second half of that game. It was the, the Bush push. The Bush a lot push. Of great games. We're going to get yeah. too sidetracked here, Andrew, but we should. I know. Uh, okay. Yeah, we should. Uh, maybe, maybe, we maybe in the off season, uh, that yeah. can be a good preview. We can tell people, you know, when they're in the throes of July, if they need a break from baseball, here are, here are college football games on YouTube to watch to get you Jones in for uh, the 2022 season. We could call it rewatch of footballs. Works for me. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start here with the college football playoff and our final four that we had on New Year's Eve. Not a very eventful New Year's Eve for me, per usual. Not a lot going on. Just watching the college football playoff with my folks. And uh, this was honestly, I mean, 
we don't typically have a great final four. Like I feel like we talk about that each year. It's like, okay, you know, we had that Ohio state Clemson game a couple years ago. I was, I was thinking about that. There was Ohio state Clemson, the Florida state Oregon game that same year. What, when, uh, Jameis dropped the ball, it was at least close. I feel like throughout most of the game. Didn't they and win then, by like 29 or something? Oh, did they? I yeah. don't remember what the final score was. Maybe it's just that I remember that moment with Jameis dropping the football, and maybe it wasn't as great a game. Um, there was Oklahoma State, Georgia, that went to overtime in the Rose Bowl the year Georgia lost to Bama on second and 20, whatever it was. Um, and then there were the Ohio State Clemson games from 19 and 20, and those are basically the only ones that I feel like I remember that have either been close or memorable for some other reason. And so, yeah, there's, you know, the, well, for whatever year, reason, the I semifinals mean, just don't. Last year, I don't remember it being close. I just remember Justin Fields, like, having the best game of his college career and just taking it to Clemson. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I did, that season is so far long. Ago yeah, that. it is. But this was lame this year. It was, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, was, got, it was bad. I mean, in realistic, it, you can, you're probably going to touch on this. Realistically, even though Michigan scored late, like the games were over after the first drive of each game, right? Alabama scored on their first drive. Georgia scored on their first drive. And realistically, the games were over after that. I don't know if I'd say the Cincinnati, like, I think we should mention because after, as that game was going on, of course, you have the, the people who maybe they have their preconceived thoughts about group of five teams competing in this competition, have those thoughts about those teams in general. I thought Clemson, I mean, like that wasn't a terrible game up until the second half, the first half. No, but I mean, at halftime, did you think, all right, Cincinnati is going to come back and tie the game? No, no. (laughs) I mean, see, that's the thing. Like, yeah, if you were doing win probability, they, 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 it was, yeah. They competed well, like they played well, they showed well. Alabama was very complimentary of them after. I mean, they competed better than Michigan did against Georgia. Um, and But it just, like it felt like once it was 17-3, I honestly especially felt after they kicked that field goal to make it 17-6, I was like, you're down two scores, like you can't be kicking field goals. You got to try, and I don't even remember what the fourth, how long the fourth down was when they kicked it was, like whether it was even a makeable fourth down. But it's like, if you have any, if you have any notion or harbor any desire of actually winning this game, it's almost like you have to go for it. And that was kind of where I felt as soon as they made it 17 6, I was like, well, you know, um, window dressing or whatever. And they competed well, but it was kind of like they're not going to win. Yeah. They, I think the thing that, it ended up playing out about the way that I expected it to. I did think Cincinnati was going to cover and it was going to end up being a little closer. But basically, my general thought was Cincinnati's defense is going to play very well, which they did, and their offense is going to struggle. It would come down to the offense. Can the offense make plays? Can they convert? And you know what? Like, yes, their offensive line was being outworked by Alabama's front four, front seven, whatever you want to call it. Like that game was definitely there was it was impacted in the trenches, but Alabama's secondary was not like a top tier secondary that they've had in the past. A lot of teams, um, if you look at A&M and LSU and a number of these teams that we saw in the SEC and then like we will talk later about how these the SEC ended up faring in the bowl games like they had a lot of teams they played this year where they they let those teams put up 20. 30 points now obviously this is a playoff game so maybe they're coming in with a little more hunger but 
I think it, it was really that game. There was so much on Desmond Ritter. And I know a lot of people see him as a potential first round guy. Personally, I don't value him as highly as that. I think this was a good trial run to see what he's made of when he gets to the next level. I think he's realistically, I'd value him as like a third or a fourth round guy that maybe you take a flyer on or maybe even the second round. I would not take him as a first round guy. And look, to his credit, he did make some great throws. Uh, He made some fantastic throws that were drops. But the story of the game was Cincinnati's defense played up and their offense could not capitalize. Maybe they weren't aggressive enough. Maybe they should have gone for it on fourth downs. They had opportunities. They weren't able to take advantage of that. And their offense couldn't match what uh, the other side with Bryce Young was able to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Brian Robinson, I think a lot should be mentioned, 26 carries, 204 yards. Yes. Um, You know, people thought that if Alabama's offensive line, which had gotten pushed around at times, um, you know, during the regular season, that if they showed up and played like they did against Georgia, I mean, and even though they got most of their offense through the air against Georgia in the SEC title game, that if they showed up with kind of a chip on their shoulder, they might be able to move, you know, Cincinnati's defensive line around a little bit because the, the back seven of Cincinnati, really, really good. But if they could kind of win in the trenches, that might be where Alabama was going to win the game. And you know, they rushed for um, – 250 yards as a team Robinson had 204 like I said and that was really kind of where you know they they won the game but yes Cincinnati competed well um you know certainly a a credit to them being the first G5 team to get in the playoff and they acquitted themselves well um you know 21 points the the final score but you know even though it's felt like once like I said that they weren't necessarily going to win um they competed never felt like they were out of it like there have been some you know semifinals where it was you know not close and and never felt close and and to their credit that certainly wasn't it i i do think however um you know in both of these games and we can touch on this a little bit more in a minute i think these were really showcases of how big of a gulf there is between you know certainly alabama and georgia and you know historically i think over the last few years you probably want to toss ohio state and clemson in there and how big the the gulf is to everybody else like other teams have seen it right Washington has seen it Michigan State has seen it Notre Dame has seen it Oklahoma has seen it I think that covers most of the the other playoff teams we've we've seen and experienced um and now Michigan and Cincinnati have seen it you know you get there and you know the first time you get there for you got to see how far you still have to go and and now both these teams know and you know in recruiting and, and size and speed and all this stuff you know they just know how far what separates them from, you know, the really truly elite teams in college football. And, you know, certainly I, I think in both you know cases, Luke Fickle's a good coach. Jim Harbaugh's a good coach. Like it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, these two teams were back in the playoff in the next, you know, next couple of years. I, I don't know about next year and we'll see how things kind of shake out, but certainly now they, now you know where you have to go and what yet, what level you have to get to, to, you know, be able to win and compete and win the national championship. Yeah, I definitely think that, the two best teams are going to end up meeting here in the national championship. And that's what normally happens. And like we talked about this when we did our 24 team college football playoff uh, a couple weeks ago with Chad and typically having more playoff teams, you know, a lot of people are going to use that as an argument as you should not expand the playoff because you're going to get the same result. Maybe you're just, they think they see it as you're wasting time. In fact, some people I know some people who say they should just do away with the final four and go back to the top two 
in terms of because there is a case that they can make in terms of these games are just such blowouts and what have you. I don't think that I, I don't agree with that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like you heard those arguments and I kind of feel like if you go back to two, the rich just get richer, right? You know, you look at it and you basically at that point just say, okay, here are the four teams in college football that we think realistically, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, and Clemson. Let's just for now there, there might be others that, that ferry in and ferry out. But if you just go back to the BCS, these are the, the four programs who realistically have a chance of winning the national championship. So all the, the top players that the five-star players, guys like that, you want to go where you can compete and win for a national championship. So you, that's, you know, kind of where all the talent goes. Um, but like, if you expand it and more teams get a chance to get in and, you know, if you go to automatic bids and for all, at least all power five champions and, and, you know, maybe the, the best group of five team we've, we've talked about all sorts of different ways they could do this. But, um, you know, if you, have a chance to win a national championship at other places, the talent starts to get distributed out a little bit more, right? Like you look at college basketball and yeah, you know, I feel like in a normal year, we could come up with a list of 15, probably 20 teams who are capable of winning the national championship so that the best players start going to different places. You divide out the talent a little bit more and more teams have a chance to win it. So I think narrowing the the field for who can win the national title will actually hurt the sport more than yeah. expanding it because you'll start to get guys who are going other places than just, you know, the five-star factories that are Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state and Georgia. Well, Andrew, we have a, you know, a, a big thing going on right now in college football is Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Walker. They both sit out the peach bowl still ended up watching some of it, but my attention wasn't as glued to it as it would be if those stars had played. And then of course you have Matt Corral making the decision to play in the sugar bowl. And he ends up exiting that game with a par- what is apparently allegedly an ankle injury. I believe are the reports right now. Um, obviously that could hurt where he is come draft in a couple months. And I, you know what? There's a lot of, there's a lot of push right now. It's, it's pretty wild to me because, look, if you want to make that decision to not play in a bowl game, I'm not going to hurt anybody who – I'm not going to come after anybody for making that decision. You're making – you, you go to college to prepare yourself for your career. And if that's the best way that you can prepare yourself for your career and you feel okay not finishing the season or whatever, then, you know, you do you. I'm not going to kill you for it. Now, pers- selfishly – I'd like to watch you on my TV. I'd like to watch you play and it's better for the sport if these guys play. But now it's really strange because we're getting like, like Matt Corral is getting crushed for making the decision to play. Like this whole thing is totally shifted. Yeah. It's, you know, like you said, I don't want to begrudge anybody, right? Like, you know, it's, especially if you're going to be a, you know, first round guy. I mean, this is a multi-million dollar decision. Um, you know, Jake, Butt uh, was a tight end at Michigan, uh, really good, really skilled 2016 ended up playing in the orange bowl when they lost to Florida state, he tore his ACL, his career just never quite got on track. He's out of football now. You know, you've got so many that go either way. And like, like, like I said, you want to make a business decision. You don't want to play. That is certainly well within your right. 
but we shouldn't be lambasting guys who want to play one more game of college football. Like it's just as likely. And I know you and I have talked about this before, you know, you're just as likely to get injured in practice as you are in a game. Like it's not as though, I mean, football is inherently dangerous sport, right? It's not like the odds of getting injured in practice go way down. And the only time you're ever going to get injured is in a game like Cam Akers tore his Achilles and has come back for it, but he tore his Achilles in practice. Like there are numerous non-contact injuries that happen in practice in college and in the NFL, even before the season starts. Um, So, you know, don't begrudge a guy who wants to play, like, especially when he knows it's the last time he's going to put on that uniform for his team. Like if he wants to play and go out there, like he, he assumes the risk. You assume that a lot of these guys, especially have, you know, guys who figured they're going to be drafted pretty highly have insurance policies and they'll have that all taken care of if something goes really awry. But like, I don't know, man. And you know, don't begrudge anybody who doesn't want to play, doesn't want to run the risk, and at the same time, don't harp on guys who decide they do want to play. That's you know, that that's why Matt Corral came to college was a pl- quarterback at the University of Mississippi. Let him play the game one more time. Yeah, and he he even said, I mean, he said, "Hey, you know what? If something were to happen in this game that prevents me from a career in the NFL." then I believe that that is God's will for my life and I can live with that decision. It's my life. You know, that's, that's what in, in living in general, you're always having to assess risks. Like yesterday, you know, there was a big snowstorm. I had to decide, am I going to drive through this, some of the snow? Now, obviously the, it, it wasn't horrible, um, but I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll take the risk. I'll drive to Valpo. I'll go to this basketball game. Cause I'm going to have a great time. And I, you know what? I, I, I weighed the pros and the cons. I ended up going, I had a great time. I was fine. Um, and I think there's a lot of that just in general. Now, the thing that I think is also interesting, the people who are going to say that I, I saw a lot of the use of the word or the term meaningless game. This is a meaningless game. It is not a meaningless game. It might not be a game where you win a national championship through playing it, but winning a New Year's Six Bowl carries a lot of weight. It's not meaningless to the fans. There's a lot of money on the line for the school and the university. It's not meaningless to the boosters, the players, the alumni. This is their last chance for so many of these seniors. This is their last chance they're ever going to get to play football. Matt Corral wanted to be out there with those guys. And yeah. he wanted to put a cap to that season. And I, I think the people who are going to call this meaningless are the people who just generally don't like college football. They like the NFL. They see, I think their way of viewing college football is they look at this more the way that someone might look at minor league baseball, where you don't really care about, you're just watching to see some of these players and what they're going to end up being and scouting them for the professional level. That is not how college football fans view the sport. In fact, most college football fans, this is a much bigger deal playing in the Sugar Bowl than playing week one in an NFL game. Yeah, yeah, no, and certainly, you know, especially the people who have tremendous amounts of pride for their school. Um, you know, the, uh, the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl game, which was fantastic, um, and all sorts of Ohio State school records were set. I mean, they asked C.J. Stroud about it, and he's like, "I mean, this is the Rose Bowl, man." Like, I don't, I don't, I can't parse his exact quote, but I mean, he was basically like, "If you can't get fired up for the Rose Bowl, what are you even doing here?" So, and I know they had some guys who decided not to play, but uh, you know, he certainly showed up, and, and wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba showed up, and uh, 
you know, that one was thoroughly entertaining. I don't know if we're going to quickly try to put together a list of the, uh, the most yeah. entertaining bowl games. That one is certainly up there uh, as is Tennessee and Purdue. That was an awful lot of fun. Um, well, there were some really good ones. There were some kind of entertaining ones. There were some ones that were really hard to watch, but uh, well, know, let, yeah, know. let's do it. I'm going to give you my number one. It's actually not either of the ones you mentioned. Really? I'm going to say the Cure Bowl for the second year in a row. My favorite, that, my favorite good, bowl game. That was a good one too, man. That was Northern Illinois, Coastal Carolina, down to the final seconds in the red zone, a couple yards short. It was, it was a fantastic game. I think the reason why I can't put Rose Bowl is it, it, it was like those are the top three. I mean, Music City Bowl with Purdue and Tennessee – which was just like, it was such an entertaining game, but it wasn't like the greatest football you were watching. <laughs> no, no, they, they kind of forgot how to tackle. Yeah, but entertainment level, great. I probably put that one three. I put Rose Bowl two. I think the reason why the Rose Bowl falls just below the Cure Bowl for me is because Cam Rising got hurt. And you did have the great moment of Bryson Barnes leading him down the field. Uh, this walk on redshirt freshman, uh, getting him into the end zone. But I, t- there was a part of me that just felt like if Cam Rising doesn't get hurt, I just wanted to see how that would play out. I, th- I thought Utah would have won that game if he had not gotten concussed. And so there's a little bit of like, oh man, uh, that was, uh, I-, I felt for Utah in that moment. But it, it was a great game nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, those those three were certainly incredibly entertaining games. I'm going to selfishly make a plug also for the uh, Armed Forces Bowl, Army in Missouri. Uh, <laughs> you know, Army, after going behind, they drove right down the field for the game-winning field goal and, and won it at the buzzer. That was pretty exciting. And, uh, yeah, there have been some really good ones, right, and some, some really, you know, kind of downers. But, uh, you know, the, the bowl season always kind of delivers. Like, for as many... You know, we'll remember the ones that we, you know, spent time waxing poetic about, and we'll probably forget some of the other ones. And you know, looking at some of these results, and already forgot that some of these games happened. Uh, special shout out to Central Michigan beating Was- uh, Washington State and earning the school's, I think, first ever win over a Power Five team. Wow! Uh, or maybe the second in in school history. That those were the numbers that were floating around. And uh, Jim McElwain got uh, dunked not only by. Um, you know, the, you got the Gatorade bath, but you also got the Frosted Flakes bath. Uh, <laughs> spons- the Sun Bowl sponsored by Tony the Tiger. Uh, <laughs> Bailey Zappi set the uh, all-time passing touchdown record. Uh, he threw for six against App State. Yeah, there were some some really entertaining games, some surprising results. You know, surprise U- UAB, BYU, that was another entertaining game that went to not at all, I think, the way a lot of us thought it would. Well, they were, lo- they were missing their starting quarterback, Jaron yeah. Hall. But I mean, you, you, I mean, conversely, you know, kind of when you think about that, like, I mean, UAB was what seven and five in the regular season. Yeah, I I thought Conference USA, the teams that well, they're having. I mean, th- that conference is really getting shaken up over the next year. They got like five teams heading to the American to fill the void of the four, the three teams that are leaving to go to the Big Twelve, and they got several new teams such as Liberty and New Mexico State coming in. Conference USA was one that we said a few weeks ago that we, I think we both agreed we had it as the bottom conference this year. Those, I mean, yes, they went three and five in bowl games, but I mean, 
the UAB. Uh, they had the Western Kentucky. Who was the other one that won? I can't remember. I they looked. I thought they looked a lot better than I, I was expecting them to. And yeah, the Mac, the Mac for that matter was they were three and five, but it was like I was expecting the Mac to do better than three and five. The Mac disappointed me. A Tulsa, I think, is the other conference USA team, right? No, or are they the, in the American? Yeah, they're in the American. I'll look it up. Dun, 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 conference dun, dun, USA. Dun, dun, dun. Conference USA. Let's see. Middle okay, Tennessee. Eight. Yeah, that's right. They beat Toledo. That's yep. a good win. Brad Culpepper's son. Judge is on that team. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Brad. Thanks for coming on a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. That was a very entertaining interview. Thanks. Yeah, he was he was great. Um, so the game with Air Force and Louisville, the first responder bowl, that was a good one. Indeed. There was that was a uh, final was that was a three point game. Houston Auburn, I think was earlier that day and uh, Clayton Toon let them down the field and they won late in that game. You know what? I think the biggest, uh, I'll give you this one. How about biggest surprise of a, an outcome of a bowl game? Can I take Maryland beating Virginia tech 54? <laughs> like I thought Maryland would win the game, but I got 54 points. I didn't see that coming. How about Texas Tech just blowing out Mississippi State 34-7? And we got the thing at kickoff. We're like, yeah, there are some guys missing here from Mississippi State, but they still had they still had their uh quarterback, Will Rogers, who's one of the top passers in the SEC this year. And I mean, that was an absolute no-show. Yeah, after Mike Leach came out and you know did all that talking about um you know, and he had his history with Texas Tech and how things had gone and you know, kind of how he felt jilted and whatever else. And then just for his team to completely not show up was was certainly something. So let's take a look here at the bowl records per conference. Uh, you have the American at three and one in bowl. Uh, we have we have two more games. We have the Texas Bowl, which is is that LSU and who are they playing? I can't Kansas State. Kansas State. Okay. And then you've got the national championship a week from now. Um, so the American went three and one, and they also had two or three of their games canceled on them, uh, where they were not the team that canceled. So some people want to say that they won those bowl games, but we can't really can't really do that. Uh ACC two and four, Big 12, four and two. Hey, that's pretty good for the Big 12. Big 10, six and four, conference USA, three and five. The independence went two and two Mac three and five mountain West five and one. The only game that they lost was Carson strong sitting out for the Nevada Wolfpack who I still think Carson strong. He's my, I, he would be my number one quarterback in this draft. I'm pretty high on him. Um, Pac 12 winless. Oh, and five sec five and six Sunbelt three and one takeaways from the performance of these conferences, Andrew. I mean, the big 12 was, I think kind of the big winner. I mean, Baylor defensively, you know, even with a backup quarterback in for Mississippi for most of that game, they, you know, played so well defensively and they got enough offense from Jerry Bohannon and uh, the rest of that offense. Um, You know, when we didn't touch on 
and it wasn't really entertaining until midway through the third quarter and the fourth quarter, but Oklahoma State Notre Dame had a tremendous finish. Oh, gosh, that was a great game. You know, yeah. with Oklahoma State scoring 30 unanswered at one point. Um, the you know, PlayStation yeah, the- Fiesta Bowl, which, by the way, Tostitos Fiesta Bowl is just a way – it's a way better sponsor for the Fiesta Bowl. Like, nothing sounds like a party than cracking out some – Tostitos chips. I mean, I mean, probably for us, for the players, you know, because everybody gets the the swag bag. I think everybody who played in the Fiesta Bowl got a PS Five. So I'm sure they're, okay. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they're probably okay with it since those are in pretty high demand. Uh, you know, Oklahoma with Bob Stoops coming out, they played well. Um, that was fun. That was really cool that he stepped in and they won that game, and now they move into the uh, Venables area era. Sorry. Yeah, you know, you talk about the the SEC, and I feel like. The top echelon of the SEC is really good, and the rest of the league. And I don't know, maybe you cut off the top echelon at Georgia and Alabama. Um, but the rest That's of the league, the rest of the league is decidedly mediocre. Like Florida lost to UCF. Um, Mizzou you know, lost to Army. Mizzou lost to Army. Tennessee lost to Purdue in what was basically a home game. I and mean, Purdue was without four or five of their top. Right, Six Auburn lost players. to Houston. Like aside, from, we talk about Mississippi State and Texas Tech. Like aside from Alabama and Georgia, like what? I mean, I guess you could say South Carolina beating North Carolina and maybe Arkansas beating Penn State. But like, what? You know, what non-playoff results are is the SEC really hanging its hat on? Like, okay, Kentucky beat Iowa. Um, you know, in a three-point game, and that was a nice drive at the end um, for the the Wildcats to win that game. But like. I don't know. I mean, the, the Alabama and Georgia are clearly at the top of that conference. And I guess we didn't get to see A&M play because their game was canceled. And, you know, maybe they'll turn out to be pretty good next year since they're killing it in recruiting. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was not at all impressed with the SEC aside from Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, if you take away their performances, then you're looking at a three and six showing from the SEC with LSU still to play and LSU could end up losing Kansas state. I mean, based on, I, I don't, I guess I don't know who's sitting out, but LSU is not going to have their quarterback, Max Johnson, cause he's transferring to a and M and, uh, then you've got, um, I mean, it's a six and six team. I think Kansas, what they go seven and five or eight and four Kansas state, Kansas state seven and five, seven and five. And based on how the big 12 perform like that, if we if we chalk up a win prematurely to the Big Twelve here, then you're looking at a three and seven showing from the SEC outside of Alabama and Georgia. I I think that obviously we're we're talking about this year in general. I think the Big Ten was the best conference this year. Um, I think we saw some of that through the bowl games, but you know what's interesting is a lot of people kind of the the national narrative national media talking heads a lot of times it's like okay the sec is a gauntlet and it is some years you know i don't think it was this year but then they kind of compare oh like but yeah and then you got like oh you play purdue in the big 10 it's like look at what purdue did nine wins and they yeah. beat that they won without four or five of their best players like and what was essentially a home game for tennessee there are way more Tennessee. There are more Volunteers fans in Nashville than Vanderbilt. Like it's a much bigger brand. They care more about the Vols in Vanderbilt. That was a home game for the Vols in Nashville, and they lost that game. And obviously, it's just one. It's one outcome. But 
I don't know. I didn't think that, again, if you take away, they had a number of six-win teams and seven-win teams, so they sent a lot of teams to bowl games, but you know, you take away some of those non-conference games and you're looking at teams with like a three and six or a uh, four and five record. Sure. And well, you look at, you know, aside from AM's win over Alabama, right? All those teams were beating up each other. Like nobody has, like Florida's best win was their close loss to Alabama, right? Like they lost by, by two and they had a two point conversion to try and tie the game. Like, like I, I certainly don't want to take away from Alabama and Georgia. Like you said, clearly yeah. the two best teams. I thought Michigan was going to compete with Georgia and Georgia did, just yeah. on Georgia was on another level. Okay, what happened there? We didn't really talk about that. I mean, what happened? Part of it seems like the, the readings that I got is that the SEC title game was a wake up call for Georgia. Um, you know, they came out mad and angry and I don't know whether the layoff kind of hurt Michigan a little bit. I mean, they were rolling along after the big 10 title game and then you get a bunch of time off, but I mean, Georgia's big and fast and strong and Michigan just couldn't keep up. Um, and you know, it was, like I said, it was, it was hard to watch for me just cause you know, they'd had such a good season and the way it ended, but, um, you know, you, you find out how far you still have to go. Like you, you think you're, you think you're nearing the top of the mountain and all of a sudden you, you know, you look up and you realize, well, we still got, I don't know, 40 stories or something to go. So they, they can at least sort of see the top, but now they know how far away they are. Um, you know, and George did a really good job scheming away from Aiden Hutchinson, right? They're runner up in the Heisman and he was basically a non-factor and uh, James Cook, I hope Michigan never ever has to play against one of the Cook brothers again. Uh, Dalvin uh, t- played very well against them when that team was at the 2017 Orange Bowl, or maybe it was the 2016 Orange Bowl at the end of the 2016 season. I can't remember whether it was New Year's Day or, or when it was, but you know, and James did. Uh, he caught a caught a big touchdown pass. He, they got a couple of mismatches against the linebackers, and you know, the the Georgia offense woke up, right? I mean, I think like we'd all, we'd spend a lot of time talking about the defense was carrying them and their, their offense was just kind of motoring along. And since Bennett had the best game of his career, made some great throws and yeah, I mean, Georgia deserved to win the game and, and all credit to them. And I don't understand why Georgia's a two and a half point favorite, or at least they opened as a two and a half point favorite against a team who beat them by 17 points four weeks ago. But I mean, that's, that's why I'm not in charge of making betting lines. Um, I, I still think until, you know, Bama's won seven in a row against Georgia. I didn't realize that until I started talking about it. I mean, when it got to be like middle of third quarter, of the Michigan Georgia game, they could start previewing the, uh, the national title game pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, seven in a row for Bama. And I, uh, I mean, as good as, as well as Georgia play, like I, I would have to give the edge to Bama right now. Like, I mean, it, it was 17 points. It was four weeks ago. I don't see that happening. Now, it doesn't mean Georgia can't win. I just certainly think that right now I would lean towards Alabama winning the game. Yeah, and this circling back to what we where we started with this show, Georgia looked a lot better than Alabama did, and Michigan looked worse than Cincinnati did based on what we saw in the Final Four in the college football playoff. And I, I know some. I got some texts from people who aren't, big college football fans like is this bad for mid-majors is this bad for group of five and i don't think it is i don't think it should be 
I mean, the fact that team got there and they hung in the game, Cincinnati did, and they weren't the team that looked the worst on that day goes to show that, yeah, there are some good teams that could get a chance if you get, you know, UCF, they probably could have competed a few years ago. And we need to expand this thing. We need to expand it, especially if we're going to have this problem of more guys sitting out bowl games. If we want them to play, we'll take away that moniker of, meaningless of these games are you actually are playing for a national championship to expand that playoff uh we've gone on about that a lot in the past but um there are blowouts every single year we talked about that michigan state uh florida state got blown out by oregon there are a bunch of them cincinnati they looked like they belong they didn't end up winning we know who the two best teams are they're gonna play each other in the national championship and that shouldn't stop us from expanding um Going into next week's game, I'm sure we'll probably be talking around this time next week if you're up for it, Andrew. Um, good, good. Okay. And, uh, but I, yeah, I have to favor Alabama just because, look, I, a lot of times I like to err on the side of it's really hard to beat a team twice in the same season, especially over the same, over the course of a month or what have you. But, I mean, there's this is a thing going on with Alabama, Georgia with Saban. It's like it's similar to what Harbaugh had to break through with Ohio State this year in terms of Ohio. They had not beaten Ohio State in 10 years. Michigan hadn't. I, I can't remember the last time that Georgia beat Alabama, but it's been a while. Kirby Smart has not. I don't think Kirby Smart hasn't beaten Alabama yet. No, yeah. the only uh, Nick Saban assistant who's ever beaten him was Jimbo earlier this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I think my expectation is I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to end up being like the game we had a few years ago where we went to overtime with Tua and all that. And that was a great game. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to rate as well as getting Michigan in there would have. I think with Michigan in there, there's, I mean, Michigan's a national brand, but also you have the Midwest thing. I just don't think this thing's going to rate particularly great when you have two teams in that uh, southern eastern region of the country and it's it's a regional sec rematch i don't know how big how attractive that is to the people outside of the big college football fan bubble and the the southern sec bubble yeah i don't know it will be interesting um you know anecdotally i'd i'd been talking to some friends and uh they're all I would say not diehards, but pretty big college football fans. And they're all like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to watch. I mean, Man. like I probably, I, I will one. So you and I can chat about it, <laughs> but two, like you, know, you watch the, the season to its conclusion. And like, I've watched plenty of national title games in the NCAA basketball tournament that like, I didn't think we're going to be great. Didn't have a vested care about the outcome or whatever, but it's like, you know, you, you only get so many of these a year, right? Like right. there are only so many college football games to go around. There are only so many college football Saturdays and like, you, you, and I know the, the championship games on a Monday, but like you, you get one more and like you ride it out. It's the same thing. You've, you've spent the whole, you know, three weeks in March watching the NCAA tournament. Like you, you got to watch the last one, even if you're there, two teams you either don't care about or whatever. So, you know, certainly, just to just to watch the season come out, and I think it will be. An, I think it will be a good game. It's it's a shame that I think your point is right that due to the the regional kind of nature of it, the numbers might not rate as highly because 
I don't think it will be a 17-point game the second time. I think it will be close. Like you said, it could very well go to overtime like that game um, You know when they played three years ago. Three years ago, I think. Four years 20, ago now. Four years ago? God, 2018 oh. was four years ago. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if it – I'm not going to say it go to overtime, but it, it should be a one-score game. It should be yeah. close. And it's it's the two best teams. It's, you know, as much as we may not care for, you know, the, the SEC, SEC kind of mantra <laughs> and all that stuff, rooting for conference. Like, these are the two best teams in college football this year. It's fitting that they're playing against each other, especially because I feel like so much, you know, as much as we love the NCAA tournament, I feel like you very rarely get the two best teams playing each other. We talked about it previously, and I feel like you get the best team to get in there a few times, but very rarely do you get the top two teams to just the nature of upsets and, and everything else that happens. Um, so the fact that we get the two best teams, you know, that that square off and for the national title, I think is is something we should value, and uh, I hope we get a thoroughly entertaining game. Yeah, and real quick before we say goodbye for now, um, I just want to say n- neither Andrew or I are anti sec i think we're because i know i know some people are going to listen to this and they're like oh these midwestern guys and we said that the big i said that the big 10 i thought was the best conference this year i also was kind of critical of the big 10 when it came to basketball last year like i I thought that similarly it was like everyone was talking up big 10 and they didn't they didn't win in the tournament so what was going on there i'm gonna i'm gonna call it out and i think right now two great teams in the sec so a few good teams. I mean, Arkansas went out and they beat Penn State. I mean, there's some there's some good teams in the SEC this year, but you know, I, I think it's second best conference. Okay, can we say this? Five and one Mountain West, zero and five Pac-12. I think promote I, I guess, the Mountain West, relegate the Pac-12. Can we do that? <laughs> sure. Utah State beats Oregon State. And Oregon State was one of the better teams in the Pac-12 this year. Utah State, of course, won the Mountain West. They won that bowl game. Mountain West, in you know, if you put Carson Strong in that game, they're not going to get blown out by Western Michigan. I think they end up winning that game. Obviously, that's a hypothetical. And obviously, some of the games that they played, their teams, their players missing from other teams. So I can't really use that argument, but. I mean, we were talking about it all year. Mountain West plays some great football, Andrew. Yeah, they did. You know, and they they showed it here um, in the bowl season. I mean, I was surprised by Wyoming, honestly, at the the Potato Bowl, six yeah. and six. And uh, you know, Kent State was a good team, and uh, you know, Levi Williams, who since entered his name in the transfer portal, but uh, you know, he was spectacular for Wyoming. And, uh, you know, Boise State didn't get to play. But, uh, yeah, the Mountain West acquitted themselves quite well. We talked about that Air Force-Louisville game. And, uh, yeah, yeah, props and to the Mountain West. And uh, certainly I feel like this leaves them as us feeling as though they were the best um, group of five conference kind of from top to bottom. Like, I don't think there's any arguing that Cincinnati was the best G5 team. But uh, conference top to bottom, I feel like it's got to be the Mountain West. And I don't know. I mean – could we put them above the Pac-12? Could we put them above the ACC for this for this past year? I might do that. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't fight you too hard about it. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Uh, final score for Monday's game: uh, Alabama thirty-one, Georgia twenty-eight. All right, I think more points. I think it's going to be a shootout. I'll say Alabama forty-five, Georgia forty-one. 
think it's going to be a lot of points. A lot of points. That Those would certainly be entertaining, especially because I feel like some of the more remarkable ones we talked about were those, those kind of high-scoring shootouts. So, uh, you know, give people their money's worth, although hopefully if it's, you know, they score as much as you do. It's going to be like a four and a half hour game, and we'll end up. It'll end after midnight here in the Central Time Zone, which is not not what anybody needs. Right. All right. Well, anyway, he's Andrew Stem. He's at a Stem double zero on Twitter. He's the Greg Ostertag of Twitter, as I like to call him. Uh, Andrew, anything else while you're here? Closing thoughts. Nah, thanks, Jack. I appreciate uh, you having me on as we kickstart. I guess my march toward twenty three and twenty two after I had twenty two and twenty one. And uh, always good to be with you. Uh, best wishes to all for, for the new year. And uh, take care. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Sounds good. We will have Andrew back hopefully next week. Cover all things uh, national championship. If you guys enjoyed today's episode of the Jack Vita Show, make sure you guys subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. We're going to have another episode coming out next week. We'll recap the national championship. And be on the lookout for some more big episodes with big-time guests. We talked with Clay Harbor and Brad Culpepper the last two weeks. Both guys spent nine years in the NFL each. Uh, So if you guys don't want to miss out on any of that, make sure you subscribe. We have a lot of good stuff coming soon. Probably going to take a little bit of a break. I'm going on vacations in in a couple weeks. So there might be a little bit of a, a gap in between content. But we'll be back next week. And until then... I'm Jack Vita. Happy New Year. Bring in the dancing lobsters.